0: What to do in these days of
1: staying at home, staying in your own yard, and physical distancing. If you're looking for a way to enjoy getting outside while practicing physical distancing, birding may be for you. It's something that can be done from the convenience of your backyard or in any quiet park. And if you're thinking about becoming a bird watcher, you likely also want to protect and keep the birds safe. Michael Masour is the founder and executive director of the Fatal Light Awareness Program. And just to give you uh, some background on the Fatal Light Awareness Program, or FLAP, it's an organization that advocates measures to prevent bird collisions with reflective windows, one of the major reasons behind a significant, as some would say, massive decline in songbird populations over the last few decades. Michael joins us now on Fight Back. Welcome back, Michael. We've spoken before. Yes, thank you very much. Nice to have you. Um, tell us what it is about the wrong kinds of windows that attract birds or that birds don't realize are there and ultimately cause their deaths.
2: Right. There, there are two characteristics of glass that uh, cause primary threat. Uh, it is either the reflective qualities of the glass, where all that reflection uh, is capturing the surrounding habitat, and the birds see that reflection as the real thing and they fly toward it and unbeknownst and then they're colliding with a solid surface. The other is transparency, where the birds are seeing straight through that glass to the adjacent side. It might be it might be a plant inside your home, or it might be a corner of glass that looks straight through to the adjacent side of your building. And the birds see that as a clear passage to fly through, and again, unbeknownst to them, they end up colliding with the surface of the glass.
1: There has been quite an effort in Toronto to make sure that there is less of that, and ultimately uh, to to end that for the birds, yes?
2: Yes. Uh, Back in uh, 2005, uh, the city of Toronto passed a, a Notice of Motion, where the process began in addressing the issue of bird collisions in toronto uh... we have now uh... sets of bird family development guidelines in place that moved towards mandatory requirements for new construction so that all low mid and high rise construction now has to meet bare minimum requirements to make sure that their their buildings are doing the best they can to reduce the threat of bird collisions during the day and then we now have uh... The Canadian Standards Association, uh, just in May of last year, introduced uh, a standard for both the province and federally across the country for us to all follow the same sort of uh, standard when introducing steps to reduce bird strikes with buildings.
1: And, and so what do the windows look like or how, or how are they manufactured so the bird sees it and, and takes a different route?
2: Right. There's new technologies that uh, have evolved as a result of, of this issue, um, one technique actually existed beforehand. It's a, a, a product, sorry a technique called fritting where they bake markers right into the glass surface that are there permanently. The frit patterns used to be on the inside surface of the glass. But in order for birds to most effectively see a marker on the glass, it needs to be placed on the outside surface, the side that faces outside your building. They've now developed technologies that allow us to bake fritting on the first outside surface of glass, and that's made a huge difference. They also etch in glass, they etch patterns in the glass, again, on the outside surface of the glass, that um, creates that visual reference for birds. And it's very important for people to understand that in order for any technique to work, like I said, it needs to be on the outside surface, but there needs to be a certain amount of spacing between the marker. Uh, The the spacing that seems to be the ideal is a marker spaced five centimeters apart vertically and horizontally. Uh, It creates enough visual reference for the bird to see that glass as a solid object.
1: So they would resemble dots, dots on a window. Right. That is the most
2: popular pattern out there right now, our dotted patterns. Uh, But the way I've always said, right from the very beginning, look at your glass surface like a canvas. Cover it with any marker you want. It can be dots, stripes, checkers, zigzags, whatever, flowers, you know, butterflies. But as long as the spacing between each of those markers is no greater than five centimeters by five centimeters, um, you're going to be addressing this issue. It does not have to be limited to dots.
1: We also want to talk about the hobby of bird watching, and there are a lot of Zoomers out there who love bird watching. It is it is a great Canadian pastime, uh, so you're welcome to call in and, and share your knowledge about where you go to watch your birds, um, obviously with physical distancing in mind these days. So I'll open up the phone lines again, 416-360-0740, or toll-free, 866 740 740. Um, Tell us, Michael. There has been some very good news in terms of another major North American city, in addition to Toronto, taking up the cause to protect birds.
2: Yes, Uh, the city of New York, New York City, passed an ordinance uh, uh, in the latter part of 2019 uh, that uh, sort of models itself very much after the city of Toronto uh they now have mandatory requirements uh being put in place to mitigate the threat of bird collisions with both, both new and some existing construction uh in, in New York. And uh, the interesting thing about this is this is not just limited to Toronto and New York. This is now happening all across North America. There are there are municipalities, cities uh throughout the United States and Canada that have introduced guidelines and in some cases standards to try and deal with this this concern. And the reason this is really picked up in in its momentum is it's considered the second leading cause of bird death across North America. Up to a billion birds are dying each year as a result of collision with windows. And um, with this, we're starting to see this rise in support and uh, action to try and uh, reduce that threat.
1: Can we treat the windows in our individual homes as well?
2: Definitely. There There are products designed specifically for homes that are easy to install, they're they're cost-effective, uh, ranging from, like we said earlier, a dotted pattern uh, uh, window film that comes in the roll of a tape, and you just apply these rolls of tape and peel the tape away and it leaves the dots. There's also something called the Copian Bird Savers, which is uh, a parachute cord system that hangs from the top of your window down in front of the glass to the bottom of the window, and each of those uh, rows are spaced according to what research says works best, and uh, um, there's, there's also uh, techniques people can do at home. You, you can paint on the glass. Um, you, can, you can hang your own ribbons in front of the windows. Uh, and all this with just materials that are floating around your home that will cost you nothing except some of your time to put it up in front of your window.
1: Michael Massour is with me. Uh, He is the founder and executive director of the Fatal Light Awareness Program, uh, designed to treat windows so that we're saving birds uh, instead of having them fly into the windows, which is the leading cause of death for birds. And when you mentioned a billion birds dying, Michael, I mean, uh, to put that in perspective, do you have any idea of how many birds there are in North America? Or, is, or right. is that a so, number you can't count?
0: <laughs>
2: well, it, it's a number you really can't count. It, it is an astronomical number. But, but the thing about this particular issue, uh, bird collisions with windows, is it, it isn't limited to certain species of birds that are most affected by it. This issue affects the vast majority of migratory, we'll call them neotropical songbirds, songbirds that are migrating from central South America to breed in the boreal forest up here in, in Ontario. And, uh, among those species are many vulnerable species, at risk, threatened, uh, endangered species. Um, so we're dealing with a a sort of, uh, uh, in of itself, sort of like a pandemic of sorts because it affects everybody, the young, the old, and, uh, and it's, it's why this issue has become such a significant threat.
1: Let's get to the hobby of bird watching now. Uh, When my fill-in producer, Gavin Day, and I were chatting about this, and he is certainly an advocate uh, and part of your organization as well, what a great time to take up the hobby of watching birds in your own backyard when we're supposed to be physical distancing. It couldn't be a better time.
2: Oh, definitely. Definitely. It is such an important aspect of uh, healthy uh, mental health. It's just... It it revitalizes people. It, it gets people outdoors. It it just uh, touches a part of our, our brain and our hearts that we just so much enjoy. And it's such an important activity to get involved in, especially during this time. So you, know, you get outside, you appreciate the outdoors, and you just challenge yourself to learn more about the birds in your community, and you'll be amazed as, as migration gets busier and busier, you know, as we step into the month of May, You're going to be amazed at the number of birds that you can see right in your own backyard.
1: Well, and that's what I wanted to ask you, too. So if you're just starting out and, you know, we all notice, oh, look at the beautiful cardinal in the backyard. Um, We see robins all the time. But how do we go, uh, and blue jays, too, how do we go from that stage of bird watching, which is very casual, uh, to becoming an understanding and being passionate and maybe attracting more birds to your yard? Right
2: it's like anything. You need a little practice. You need to dedicate the time. You go out. You, you sit yourself down. Uh, observe what, what a vegetation might be available in your yard or take a walk down to the park. Um, bring yourself a pair of binoculars and a bird book. And you just, you're, you you got to be patient and you, you just observe and do the best you can at trying to see what markings are there that you can see through your binoculars and compare them to the the, the birds that you're seeing in the bird books. And believe me, it, at first, it can be overwhelming because there's such a wide variety of species that these birds you're looking at could be. But like anything, with practice, you get better at it. Right. And, uh, and with that, you'll again, you're going to be amazed at what you can see.
1: And I suppose keeping a journal would be a good idea as well, and, and keeping track of the colors so that you can look up afterwards what it was that maybe you saw.
2: Correct, yes. You keep a little notebook... Uh, there's there's uh, uh, a bird checklist that you can, you can download right off the internet, just type in bird checklist and away you go, uh, just print it out on your printer and have it on hand. Um, take photographs if you can. Uh, that, that helps to a great degree as well. Um, even videos might even help because a, a, a video can capture how the bird is flying or how it's foraging for food it can tell you a lot about the species you're looking at. It isn't only based on the colors and, and the shapes of the birds themselves. So yeah, keep, keep a log and, uh, and just just like you said earlier, the birds that you see at your feeder, there are birds that will come to your feeder um, that are only summer residents. That in some cases are even just passing through. You can have rose-breasted uh, bro. Let's try that again. <laughs> rose-breasted grosbeaks visit the feeder during the springtime. You'll see the arrival of Baltimore Orioles, um, which these are just beautiful, uh, vibrant colored birds that unless you're there making the effort to search for them, you might just miss them. So, uh, yes, I, it, it's just a, such a rewarding experience.
1: We only have a couple of more minutes here with Michael Masseur. We're talking about bird watching uh, and saving birds by having the proper windows installed in buildings and in homes. So if you'd like to get in the conversation, 416 toll-free 744 740 Let's go to Case in Caledon. Hi, Case. Go ahead.
2: Hi, good afternoon. Uh, yeah, I'm quite an avid bird watcher. In fact, and I feed them. I go through about uh, three or four 50-pound bags of bird seed in the winter.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great.
2: Yeah, and my biggest problem uh, is cat, okay? We know that cats are uh, definitely bird chasers, and they kill a lot of birds. And uh, the problem is I have uh, people next door that have a cat. It's, unfortunately, it's a feral cat, and uh, they will uh, let it out. And, uh, I've asked him to keep it in. I mean, after all, I'm not feeding birds to entice them for the cat to capture them. So, uh, yeah, therein lies a the problem, but, uh, I don't really know what the answer is, but, uh, Okay,
1: let's put that to Michael.
2: Yeah, this is, continues to be a real struggle. Uh, unfortunately, I mentioned earlier the leading cause, uh, second leading cause of bird death, the windows, the leading cause is actually cats. And it really comes down to uh, a tremendous amount of time to educate and impress upon cat owners uh, that it is so important they make the efforts to try and turn their cats into indoor cats because not only are they taking the lives of, of birds and other forms of wildlife, the cat owner is subjecting their own pet to a significant amount of risk by letting them roam freely outdoors. Uh, mm-hmm. In outlying areas like in your area, in Caledon, uh, you have coyote. And coyote frequently take cats away. Yes, um, we do. We uh, have coyotes here. <clears throat> right. Um, the, the Cats are still one of the more common forms of domesticated animals to be struck by vehicles. Um, they, they are exposed to all kinds of disease. There uh, there's so many risks that the pet owner is taking. Right, by Good letting the the cat roam freely, uh, above and beyond, uh, you know, preventing them from killing wildlife.
1: Let's go to Nina in Toronto. Hi, Nina. Go ahead. Hi, I love this show, and I thank you so much for doing something different, just to shift gears,
2: because I still think that it's very important uh, during time of COVID nineteen to take a look at, at other ways that we can create activities, and this is this is terrific.
1: And, and do you have a question for Michael, Nina? I do, as a matter of fact. Just last night, Michael, I, I was wondering why do birds
2: sing their beautiful songs, especially the robins and the cardinals, when heavy dusk starts to come?
1: What is it that they're after when they sing that song that says it's the end of the day? Oh, I love that. Go ahead.
2: Boy, well, I'll be quite honest. I'm not entirely sure. But one thing, uh, uh, like all of us, we're coming to the end of our day. And um, you know you're starting to wind down for the evening, uh, and plus the fact that this time of year, these birds are establishing their breeding territories, and they're 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 just, they're establishing their boundaries, and they're they're trying to make sure that the entire neighborhood of other birds in the area know exactly where where they stand in terms of their their chosen habitat to breed and nest in, and it's it's all part of a, a territorial display where they're they're just digging their their little uh, um, claws into the ground, so to speak, and they're they're making sure that their neighboring competitor birds know exactly where to stay away from.
1: Ah, that is nice. So it might be territorial. You know what I always think? I always think they're
2: just standing on the peak of a gable and saying, day is done, day is done, everybody go to sleep now, day is done.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, you, have well, the, we... you have the opposite early in the morning when I'm leaving for work at 4 o'clock. You've got all those, the early birds are up singing their songs, too. That's right. Wake that... up, day is here, right?
0: <laughs> this is the day, right. that sort
1: of thing. Exactly. All right, we, we've got time for one more. Nina, thank you so much for calling. Let's go to Len in Pickering. Len, I've got a, just a minute left. Okay, what happened to the house wrens? I also know them as Jenny wrens and the barn swallows.
2: Yes, unfortunately, uh, these are examples of species that are, are uh, vulnerable to so many different types of uh, human-caused threats, some of which include uh, collisions with windows. Um, we're just seeing a whole gamut of species, just like the ones you mentioned, that are suffering out there. Um, And we have to do our part to do what all we can to make it as safe an environment for these birds as possible. And and as homeowners, as we've already been discussing, one way that you can help is make sure that your windows are safe for birds.
1: We'll leave it there. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bird watcher uh, Michael Masur, founder and executive director of the Fatal Light Awareness Program.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one.